Let us pray. Gracious God, may we who gather be present to you with pure and clean hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good evening, friends. We've all waited for something, right? Expectantly. You could talk back to me. It's okay. We've all waited for something expectantly, right? Yes. Whether it's a package from an online purchase, a mail from a pen pal, a new love interest to call or text. Don't play. We've all been there. A paycheck to hit the bank account or a clean bill of health. Maybe for a sermon or service to end on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> We've all waited, right? Perhaps you've waited or still waiting for a, a family member or politician to act right. Or maybe for warmer temperatures like me. Whatever it is, waiting is rarely fun. Especially when you've been waiting a really long time. But have you ever waited so long for something and so hard for something that you almost miss it when it finally arrived? Perhaps the anticipation had led to impossible fantasies so that the real thing almost slipped under your radar. Or perhaps you waited for so long that your attention just drifted just at the moment you needed to be alert. Simeon in our gospel reading this evening was waiting to see the Messiah. We don't know how long he had been waiting. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit promised it would happen before he died. And we know that Simeon was an old man. His song, however, songs like the song of someone who had been waiting a long time, Someone who had been filled with anticipation and is now filled with long-awaited joy as he takes the infant in his arms and knows him to be the one he was waiting for. What pure joy Simeon might have felt. I'm pretty certain that Simeon saw a lot of 40-day-old babies in his time. And I'm thinking that they all might have looked the same way. At that age, it's really hard to tell. So it's a little fascinating to me that he even recognized the Messiah in the baby Jesus. I think, however, Simeon kept his focus on the promise God made to him. He kept his eyes on God. He remained open to when God's word would come through. He stayed steadfast in prayer and study and worship. He had an active type of waiting, and he knew without a doubt that God was with him. How do I know? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> well, you see, Scripture describes him as being a man that was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit and what God was doing. So when he held the Son of God for the first time, he knew without a doubt that he was holding Jesus, that it was Jesus who was present. 
I think it's a mark of true wisdom and discipline and uh, spiritual maturity to not allow either our fantasies or imaginations or news headlines, changing seasons in our life, or even boredom to distract us from what God is actually doing. I often wonder how many of God's promises we don't see fulfilled simply because we allow our egos to lead us, or we aren't attentive, or we forgot what God's promises actually say, or because we don't have eyes or hearts like Simeon, prepared to see God's work in unexpected places, in unexpected people. In our church's liturgical calendar today, we celebrate the presentation of our Lord, or some call it candle mass. Some believe that this is the day that really ends the Christmas season. Some people, right? So technically, if you still have up your Christmas tree or Christmas decorations or your nativity scene, today is the day to take it down. You can thank me later for that. But because today is about halfway between Christmas and Good Friday, halfway between Jesus' birth and Jesus' death, today is considered kind of a pivot, a pivot point in our liturgical year. The day when we turn from cradle to cross, birth to death. Simeon's story contains this pivot. Holding the infant Messiah, Simeon knows his wait is over. One of God's promises to him has been fulfilled. He praises God and sings of light and glory and now understands that he now pivots to death. But before that, he turns to Mary in another pivot and his light and glory tone changes. He warns her, Mary, mother of Jesus, that this child, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Ouch. These words warn Mary that she will suffer along with her son as he fulfills God's work. Pope John Paul II once explained it this way, while this announcement on one hand confirms Mary's faith in the accomplishment of the divine promises of salvation, on the other hand, it also reveals to her that she will have to live her obedience of faith in suffering at the side of the suffering Savior, and that her motherhood will be mysterious and sorrow-filled. I often wonder when hearing this scripture if there wasn't a part of Simeon that would have preferred to just keep, it, keep that to himself and to just keep waiting, to hold on to a sense of hopeful anticipation rather than perhaps the more complicated emotions after the arrival of the Messiah. I wonder as well what will happen when mothers and fathers and Godparents present their children at the font for baptism. In addition to saying you're marked and sealed as Christ's own forever, I wonder if they receive a prophecy and a warning as well. 
what will happen. Now, if that were the case, in the murders of Martin Luther King Jr., or Clementina Pickney, or Trayvon Martin, they would have received a warning that would have told them you'll have to bury your sons because of lack of gun control. And not just guns, but racism. And the society will pivot and be more divided on these issues. I often wonder. And in the midst of my wondering, today Simeon turns us in the direction of the cross. Remembering that following Jesus is also about sacrifice and faithfulness in the face of suffering. We are reminded that following Jesus is not just about Christmas, not just light and joy and celebration, not just glory. Perhaps this is why Candlemas is the day on which candles are blessed, marked as signs of the light of Christ in the world because we know we still have need, need for such signs to get us through the darkness ahead. So on this seasonal pivot day, we transition simply not from cradle to cross, but really from, from cradle through the cross to the tomb, the empty tomb, already visible, although dim. We are experiencing a pivot too in the life of our diocese, one that points us back to getting back to basics, the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where our eyes are focused on knowing Jesus as we address pain and poverty in this diocese, in this country, and in the world. The pain and poverty that can come from fear and injustice and isms and schisms. The pain and poverty that manifests itself in the breakdown of, in society and how we function as a people who just by the way all belong to God. We are experiencing a pivot in the life of this diocese and we need your help in that work as active participants. We're constantly looking for partners who will work to fight injustices and are not neutral or afraid to get their fingernails dirty. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has his foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. A new season has begun in this diocese for us, for you, one in which we are growing increasingly in strength and wisdom. You are an, an integral part of, the, of that. And like Simeon and Anna and other prophets of time past, like Jeremiah and Miriam and Deborah and Isaiah, whose God's, whose presence, who God's presence rested with them too and who were carriers of the message of God, and God's glory. They were chosen from the beginning of their lives as God's special favored ones, and God's favor continued with them. Like them, we too should be carriers of the message of Jesus Christ. We too are striving to be the tune of the Holy Spirit, to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, rather. And we too should be praying and fasting and worshiping God. Because God's promises are true, friends. 
as a money-back guarantee. God's word is secure and we have to be ready in season and out of season. There's an entire generation, an entire world that's counting on us. I often like to place myself in the scriptures when reading and studying them. And in today's gospel, I've placed myself as an onlooker, watching as Simeon lifts up the infant Jesus, watching the proud parents beam with pride and seeing the fear and concern in Mary's face and her eyes as Simeon prophesies and warns her. And I imagine with Mary's track record, after a long five seconds of fear creeping in, I imagine Mary's face and demeanor light up as she ponders his words in her heart. I imagine her holding on to God's promises that came to her when she first began this journey in the message from Gabriel who told her, you are favored by God. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I too hold on to that. We too can hold on to those promises. And if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember that we are favored by God. And God is with us. We don't need to be afraid in changing of, the changing of seasons and the pivots in our life. Before the, because the same spirit that was with Mary... It's the same Holy Spirit that will overshadow us. Our wait is over. Jesus is here. And we don't have to go too far to see him. Look at the person next to you. Don't miss him. Because he is with us and we can live in a posture of joy. Overflowing joy. Even in the darkness of this world. Because Jesus is the light. A light for the revelation and the glory of all people. And that, good Christian friends, in today's world is some good news. Amen.